Welcome to our Ned Group Investments quarterly briefing, where we profile some of the interesting takeouts from our recent fund manager workshops with our local best-of-breed managers. To hear the full fund manager presentations or for more information on our funds, visit nedgroupinvestments.coza and click on to learn more about our product range. In this episode, we explore the direction of South African interest rates, how there is more to diversification than just holding a portfolio of asset classes, and where the South African bonds are attractively priced despite the recent civil unrest. We also consider what the recent Standard Bank announcement to acquire Liberty Insurance means for investors, and where the PGM shares have run out of steam. Finally, we discuss the merits of the recently announced NASPA's process transaction that will change the group's financial structure. As other emerging markets have started to increase interest rates and questions are raised as to when the US might taper monetary support, how will this impact the forecast for South African interest rates? Philip Liebenberg provides his expectations for South African rates given this backdrop. If you look at the US uh, nominal yields, you know, Treasury is at 1.4. Suddenly you think of SA bond yields at 10 year around about 9, 9.5% suddenly you think, hmm, that's not such a bad option, actually. And we've spoken about, you know, where rates are. I think the next step, what we have seen for the U.S., I mean, we had a bit of a, a wobble in the market. I think, you know, slowly the talk is coming to the table of when are actually we going to increase rates in the U.S., when are they going to taper pullback stimulus. What has happened in emerging markets, we've had a couple of emerging markets actually increase um, rates, the likes of Russia, Brazil and Mexico have actually hiked rates. Now, that's this puts a bit of pressure on us, and we've seen some you know, spill over to our market where definitely rates are going to increase. And this is exactly what you're seeing in this chart, and this is just the some of our forward rates. So we look at kind of FRAs, which we call, just to look at market expectations going forward. And you can see here that if you look at the three-month Jaiba, three-month Jaiba is probably around about 3.7%. Um, it's ticked up a bit. Uh, a lot of your money market investments, as as you as investors will will, will know, you're probably earning in the range of four, maybe four and a half percent. What I can tell you is that the market is saying over the next six to nine months, we are going to get rates increasing by at least half a percent to maybe 75 basis points. So, you know, if you go back to what you say, where we are raised from here, it's definitely going up. The pace of which mark rates will go up is, is still up for debate. With the current COVID crisis and lockdown and also with the um, unfortunate unrest we've seen, I think the Saab will probably be slightly more hesitant to you know increase um, the repo rate too soon. So we're looking at probably penciling in about half a percent to 25 percent to 25 basis point hikes uh, before end of the year, maybe another 25 before end of March. Our brains can't comprehend the different outcomes that we have in the world. And it's crucial that one understands the correlation between different asset classes if you want to create a truly diversified portfolio. Nick Balkan shares his thoughts about creating diversification in portfolio construction. Or, or the investment industry has a habit of attracting pretty confident people to the industry, which means they kind of believe that their view is the only view. And that leads to people maximizing their own return or maximizing their return and worrying less about the downside. 
And that works in good times, obviously, and it's a great thing to see. But, you know, when things turn down, this lack of understanding of correlation between asset classes is exactly what the downfall is. And when things start going down and your assets are correlated, there's nothing to protect you. So when you think about diversification, that's the way to create stability in the fund. Our brain can't comprehend the different outcomes that we have in the world. And we just have to look at COVID as an example. And it was in no one's thought process before it happened. So it's about planning for the uncertain times, understanding that if you have an uncorrelated asset like a gold that sits in a portfolio, yes, it will be a headwind sometimes, but very much it will also be um, a support when you need it and is going to perform in an uncorrelated way to the rest of your portfolio. So I think that's the important piece of diversification. It adds stability to our portfolios. The yield differential between South African and US government bonds is currently trading at above 8%, one of the highest levels in history. Matt DeVette breaks down this differential and discusses whether investors are adequately compensated for taking on South Africa's political, financial, and economic risk. Now, the way that bonds work, that 8% effectively represents the expected uh, inflation differential between South Africa and the US, as well as what's called uh, a country risk premium, the extra return you need for investing in a riskier jurisdiction like South Africa. That 8% you can see is very high relative to history, which has averaged over the course of, of the last decade and a half at around 5%. So again, South African bonds look cheap in absolute terms and cheap in relative terms. Now, we all know that the risks of investing in SA are much higher than a number of other jurisdictions. And the last week or two has been a very painful example of that. But our feeling is uh, that a lot of these risks are already priced in and if you look at the reaction of the bond market and the currency over the last week or two, it's been fairly muted. So for the time being, the market is agreeing that those risks have been largely priced in and you're being compensated for. Standard Bank recently announced plans to acquire all the shares it did not own in Liberty Insurance Holdings at a premium to the current share price. Dwayne Dippenau briefly explains this deal and what it means to investors. So it's great for our fund because we had a decent position in Liberty. It's one of our preferred insurers on our valuation perspective. So uh, the investors would have done well over that. But what it really points to is that many people are seeing value within the insurance space. And we still have decent exposure to momentum and Sunderman in that space. We think it looks very attractive. And I think it highlights the value in that space. Just on a broader South African basis, we've also seen you know, Heineken buying, looking at buying the Stell. We've seen Imperial um, might be acquired as well. We've now seen um, Liberty. And so we think there's actually a lot of attractive um, companies in South Africa. And we've seen a lot of private equity interest and global corporate interest in South African listed companies, especially in that small and mid-cap space, which just shows the value in the South African market at the moment, even though all the headlines point to a lot of risk. Commodities have delivered fantastic returns for investors over the past year, but have recently come under pressure as supply bottlenecks 
have depressed demand for raw materials. We speak to Saul Miller about his overweight to the PGM sector and if he still sees continued value in these shares. Just a quick comment on PGMs, given that we do have a reasonable exposure here. You know, we prefer this to some of the other metals. What do we like about PGMs? Well, we think deficits will be sustained in the PGM space, much more so than, let's say, the iron ore space, where there's no shortage of supply. PGMs have come under a bit of pressure of late, particularly palladium and rhodium, and part of that relates to the pressures we're seeing in the global motor car industry. There's been huge chip shortages as a result. Motor manufacturers haven't been able to produce motor cars. And that's why you've actually seen stock levels absolutely plummet to record lows. And we've got over 30 years of data. So you can see how unusual this looks. And you would expect, given that they can't build cars at the moment, they're probably not paying up for these high rhodium and palladium prices. Once these chips come through and we start the building process on track again, we would think the demand for rhodium and palladium comes back. So that should be a, an underpin for your, your PGM shares, which are actually also trading on very low valuation. You're talking sub, sub four PEs for, for many of them. So hence, we, we maintain our, our overweight in that um, sector. Naspersen Process recently announced a complex transaction to change the group's financial structure. Anthony Sedgwick shares his views on the transaction. The stock really um, moving sideways in the uncertainty of the proposed uh, transaction with Process. This is a transaction that we remain very disappointed by. Our concerns around the governance standards at both Naspers and Process you know, continue to rise from a very high base. We see very little merit in the transaction. We did oppose it. It, of course, is a moot point because NUSPAS used to use uh, the NUSPAS board used their um, high voting shares to force the transaction through on shareholders, notwithstanding the fact that 47% of us voted against the, uh, the transaction, which I think is an appalling indictment of the governance of the organization and the, the merit of the transaction. We're now faced with the, you know, with our backs a little bit against the wall in that we worry if we don't tender our, our NUSPAS shares into the um, offer, that NUSPAS is going to be left as an orphaned asset here in South Africa with the action now and management's attention more clearly, much more uh, focused on process, even though essentially they're the same thing. Um, and in the meantime, you know, the valuation just continues to, the valuation gap or the NAV discount trapped in the structure continues to rise. And so that, again, is another extremely disappointing aspect of notwithstanding management's stated priority to address the NAV structural discount, that every step that they've implemented over the last two or three years has done nothing but exacerbate the problem, while at the same time their remuneration has continued to increase. You can access more information about all the fund manager workshops at nedgroupinvestments.coza or through our YouTube channel. This has been your Ned Group Investments quarterly briefing. Make sure to check back at the end of October for our next edition.